Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Star's daily sports podcast. It's November 3rd, 2020, Election Day, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Well, we are a daily sports podcast and we will talk sports, but I had to take advantage of Jesse Newell's final few days covering politics for the Star. You know Jesse from years of covering Kansas basketball and football, but for the past couple of months or so, Jesse went in motion. He left sports for politics, where he applied his love for numbers and analytics. Mostly, what we did was talk about the intersection of sports and politics. It's been an active year for that, more than any I can remember. After a break, we get into a little Jayhawks football and basketball talk. So let's get started with Jesse Newell. Jesse Newell's with us. Jesse, it's been so long since you and I have talked. Uh, it's it's uh, good to have you back on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Blair. Well, so let's uh, bring folks up to date what you've been doing. For almost uh, two months now, you have uh, you have gone from one section of my newspaper into another section of my newspaper and um, and the and the online product you uh, have temporarily suspended your Kansas Jayhawks coverage for uh, the political spectrum and covering politics in in Kansas Missouri and in Kansas City I've been reading and enjoying your stuff and it, it does uh, run the um, the gamut of, of local politics from on both sides of the state line and and in the and in the city as well the the Jayhawks have been um, you know Gary Bedore has stepped in and done a terrific job covering KU and You'll be back soon, but I just want to know how how you have found the experience of covering politics on a on a daily basis in this um, uh, very very newsworthy election year. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, and uh, how this was kind of pitched to me when it first brought up is is sort of the and I mean this in the the. Uh, you know, the most complimentary possible is the Pete of politics, basically, you know, our own Pete Gradoff does this sort of thing for sports and is obviously our most read guy does a great job, especially with chiefs coverage of yeah. bringing up stuff that, you know, people don't know or don't see and, and kind of bring it to their attention. And that's sort of what this role has been for me in politics, especially this election season coming up is just kind of scouring the web, seeing if uh, local people are in the national news or if national people are talking about local topics, that sort of thing, and, and bringing that to the forefront and trying to make sure that people see that sort of stuff. So yeah, it's been interesting. It's, 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 um, it's sort of coming from the sports side, you feel like sometimes that, you know, sports are the only people with um, PR folks that you don't want to talk to, or, or right, sports right. are the only ones that uh, this is kind of like a different world. And, and then you go on uh, the politics side, and you know, I, I haven't had to do too much of that interaction. But you know, you kind of are reminded that, Hey, this is the sort of world that happens in real life and in politics just as much as it does in sports. So there's been a little bit of carryover there, not a bunch of it, but uh, obviously, and nobody be surprised by my background. I've kind of enjoyed getting into the polls and the numbers and looking into that sort of stuff as well. So um, it's been a change, but uh, got to be honest, you know, I'm, I'm ready to get back onto sports and uh, and get back to something that I'm very much more familiar with than I am this politics scene. And that happens soon enough, but. Yeah, you brought up something I was going to ask you. You you enjoy the numbers and the analytics of of sports as much as anybody I know, and get into it. And look, that's what uh, politics and and trying to read politics. It, that's so much a part of it now with, uh, with with the websites that a lot of us look at for 
for prognostications and, and what's happening nationally and, and, and locally. So from a, you know, just from an analytical standpoint, I'm sure that you've enjoyed that. But my, what I wonder is how much interest did you have in politics to start? I mean, were, were you a, um, somebody who uh, followed politics and interested in the history of politics, or is it just a, a numbers interest for you? <laughs> yeah, not very much, honestly, Blair. But uh, I think you kind of hit on what I was interested in is the 538s of the world or the upshot from New York Times, uh, those sorts of sites that are kind of trying to to figure out as best they can um, to handicap what the, the races are going to be, not only the pre- presidential election, but, uh, you know, 538's gone pretty deep into the Senate races, the House races as well. And um, it, it's been good reading some of this stuff, too, because, you know, I, I'm kind of... Uh, outing myself here. But, you know, I think it was pleasure reading during one of those Maui trips that KU Basketball had that I read The Signal and the Noise by Nate Silver. And, you know, I'm not sure there's too many people out there sitting on a Maui beach like, oh, I must partake in my Nate Silver reading for the day. Um, But it really was um, one of the things that kind of helped me understand kind of this probabilistic thinking and kind of what they're, um, you know, what you're trying to do when it comes to, you know, forecasting and and looking into polls, that sort of thing. And I think I've sort of gained a little bit even more knowledge trying to track these sites and look into this stuff and um, trying to help explain to some people as well, even people that I know what these polls are trying to do, because I know there's a lot of distrust in them uh, from after the 2016 election when Hillary Clinton was favored and then obviously Donald Trump won the presidency. But um, it, it is sort of interesting what, what the forecasting is trying to do here is not trying to tell you how much they think they're right. They're basically trying to tell you what percent they might be wrong. And so what we've seen from a lot of the polling, and I know this is going to be old news here. Uh, we're talking Monday morning and it might be old news by Tuesday or Wednesday. But, you know, you take the polling, you take it for what it's worth, and then you put together this model and say, hey, what are the chances that this thing is wrong, basically? And, and that's kind of the number you come up with at the end of the day. So um, there is uncertainty there. And again, if you think along a sort of a model uh, of things, you know, at least as the time we're talking, 538 has uh, you know, President uh, Trump, 10% to win, uh, Joe Biden, 90% to win. But again, we know from sports, some of these probabilities, how they play out. I mean, uh, I think I saw online a Steph Curry free throw is about 90% chance, but that doesn't mean he doesn't miss free throws. So it is sort of interesting to get into a different realm of the numbers and kind of learn a little, a little bit more about that in hopes of explaining them. Because I think what's most uh, damaging is basically just looking at 2016 and saying, well, you know, Donald Trump won, so we should throw all these polls away. That's not exactly, I think, the best way to do this. There are some scientific things out there. And um, when we try to kind of just throw that away and, and completely dismiss it because of one result, I think that kind of takes us down a dangerous line. So some of that has been sort of fascinating. But outside of that, with the politics coverage, uh, not too much. Uh, CNN has been on on my TV here in my office more in the last month than it has, I would say, in the previous <laughs> 10 years combined. Well, and, and one aspect of this that... Uh, that to me is makes it interesting for you and for and for the readers of the Kansas City Star is there's you know there's national interest in the Kansas Senate race so it's it's not you know, it's not a, a foregone conclusion race where it often is so you know there is national interest in the in the uh, Roger Marshall Barbara Boyer Senate race to you know to take. Um, uh, to, to assume that seat. So uh, there, there's been a lot written and said about that. I know you've, and, and you've been, uh, you've written, you've written about it yourself. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like I wonder how many people are yelling "stick to sports" right now at their. Uh, oh, at they their all are. <laughs> but but it's, this is this is an election day podcast, and uh, we I think one one time in four years we can we can talk a little politics, and we're going to talk sports here in a minute. I say I love the people that are joke yelling at me on Twitter now because I will make some sort of sports comment and they'll say stick to politics you know so that's that's, that's been great to see that sort of thing on there too but no you're right i mean if you google the term kansas has not elected a democratic senator since 1932 you'll probably see a jesse Noel byline because i think i've written that probably in 15 to 20 stories here over the course of the last two months and you're right it is a race that is more competitive there hasn't been anybody win by a single digit margin that um, a republican has not won by less than a double-digit margin since Bob Dole way back in the day uh, with Watergate. So, yeah, it's been a long time since there's been a competitive race. Again, if you go look in the polling on that sort of thing, and 538 takes a lot of stuff into account. They not only take polling, they take into uh, experts' uh, opinions on that. They take into past considerations and what voting demographics are. So, they again, they, that's what these models are trying to do. They're trying to take in as much information as possible and, and put it all together and see what you find. But, um, you know, Roger Marshall still a, a pretty – Heavy favorite when you look at all those things combined. I think he was 76% to win uh, the last time I checked it with Barbara Bollier, 24%. But at the same time, um, you know, there are still more ramifications on this particular race if you look at it. Because, yeah, if, if Barbara Bollier loses by a single digit margin rather than a double digit margin, there could be some storylines to be written that, you know, perhaps Kansas might be leaning a little bit more blue than it has in decades and decades. But, yeah, if she's able to pull off the upset, then you'll see Kansas in the headlines. Uh, across the nation, because that will be something that, uh, like I said, has not happened since 1932. And uh, that is a long time ago, Blair. Uh, that is way before any of any of us were even thought about. Right. No, that, you're right. So. All right. So let's let, let's veer into sports a little bit, but let's do so to uh, talk about the intersection of sports and politics, which is happening in a or has happened in, in a bigger way than any time I can remember. I think there's a a, a combination of the you know the the Black Lives Matter movement over the summer and the incidents that occurred to to inspire that, uh, along with just you know a general uh, awareness of um, you know of, of what's going on in the country plus the pandemic. I mean, just all sorts of uh, you know sort of generational events all happening in one year. And one thing we've seen, and we and we absolutely have seen it in our market. Uh, athletes getting involved in, in in politics, and the way is that the way that I have seen it is, you know, uh, Chiefs players like Patrick Mahomes, Tyron Matthew, and others urging people to get out the votes. The the Chiefs even um, playing a role in that. The Chiefs actually have on their have had on their website, on their official website, voting registration information and links to voter registration. Uh, how to uh, do that. And then, of course, Arrowhead Stadium as a, as a polling place is going to happen on 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 here on Election Day. So one one of about I, I think I read forty <clears throat> sports venues that are going to serve as polling places. So what do you make of it, Jesse? That um, you know the, the you know what you have covered uh, for for your adult life um, is really you know taking. Uh, t- it, it's veering toward politics. I don't know if it was avoidable this year that we were going to just keep those two, you know, keep your sports out of my politics and keep your politics out of my sports. I don't think that was going to happen. Yeah. And I can speak more to the college side of this, obviously from covering it for a long time. And I I even wrote about this or or put a tweet out about it Friday 
in sort of a similar sense, Blair, because I think, you know, a lot of times when progress is made slowly in incremental steps, it's sort of hard or easy to forget the steps that have been made that, you know, maybe it didn't happen five years ago, 10 years ago, but, but things that are happening now. And I think you bring up a good point. What the, the, the tweet I posted on Friday, and this seems like a small thing, but um, KU basketball's official Twitter account has been promoting their players, individual Twitter and Instagram accounts. And it's something that's different from years past. I mean, if you think back and somebody brought this up very well, you know, by, back in 2012, when uh, Tyshawn Taylor got on Twitter and said a few things, uh, you know, point planking or whatever the case may be. I mean, that, that was a moment in time where like it was frowned upon for any athlete to be on social media. And it was a negative connotation and coaches were telling their kids to get off of it. And when they were saying stuff on there, uh, they were basically told to stop saying stuff on there and things would be deleted very quickly. You move now to two, you know, 2020 here and, and the things that have changed. I think there has been a growth and a good movement from athletic departments, from coaches. I think Bill Self would admit this to you as well. He kind of talked about it in some of these videos he's been shooting over the summer uh, for KU Athletics and his career with Bill. But it's a different sort of embracing of the student athlete and their rights and their voice. And instead of maybe pushing that away and pushing that to the side and keeping that undercover, saying, hey, let's educate them. Let's talk to them about this. What's the responsible way to do this? What's the best way to do this? And you're just seeing so many more outreach efforts um, from KU to the student athletes. Now the student athletes are empowered. And you mentioned, you know, there was a, uh, I covered along with Gary Bedore, you know, a Black Lives Matter march that KU had a couple months ago that went through campus. And, you know, the chancellor was a part of it. Uh, Les Miles was a part of it. Jeff Long, the athletic director, uh, was a part of it. So uh, you're seeing, again, that not only are students being able to organize these things, but they're doing so with support from the people that are above them. And um, just recently, you know, uh, you talked about uh, voting. Uh, all the KU basketball players have voted. They've, they've put that online. They've talked about that. They brought camera crews with them when they went to go vote so that they could kind of announce that to the world and make sure other people kind of hear that message and know that, that you know, they should be out there voting too if they're able. So, yeah, I think it's just – this is one of those incremental steps I think is very good as you're moving towards name image likeness rights for students, as you're moving towards students being able to transfer more often and having more rights in that way, as you're moving towards these student athletes, having more of a voice, having more of a say, having more power in this, which is probably what they should have had the whole time. You might just miss some of these steps that have happened. And some, again, some of these steps that, that weren't taking place some eight years ago when, Oh my gosh, did somebody tweet? We'll take down his Twitter account. No, 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 no. That's not the case anymore. Hey, Let's bring in somebody to talk to you about your Twitter account. Let's bring in somebody to talk to you about responsible tweeting. Let's talk. Let's bring in somebody to talk to you about how you can make a difference with your Twitter account and how you can influence people in a positive way by doing that. So I just think it's kind of flipped a little bit. And like I said, Bill Self and Jaren Howard both talked about this in a recent Grill with Bill episode on the Q Athletics website. But I feel like uh, Jaren was very proud of the efforts that the basketball team has made, specifically with that, and that Bill Self, I think, has, has sort of done this a little bit differently than he might have in the past just based off of recent events. And so I think that's very much a good change that at least at the college side has made that this intersection of sports and politics, it seems like these athletes, instead of maybe being muffled a little bit, they're, they're being taught and, and educated in the way that their voices can make a difference. And so that, that seems like a good change from a few years back. Another example of that, of course, is the, the Missouri football team, which went in mass. I think they had 62 players registered to vote when the, the team marched from 
campus to the the Boone County Courthouse, along with the football coaches, athletic director uh, Jim Sturk, uh, basketball coach Conzo Martin, and other athletic administrators, and just to you know, uh, just to get the team uh, registered to vote. And I think we've we've seen uh, and 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 listen, uh, you know, as you said, we're we're recording this on. On Monday, it, running it on Tuesday, Tuesday is essentially a holiday for college athletes, right? Um, they're taking the, – the, there's no practice. The NCAA has, um, you know, has uh, approved a no-practice day for college athletes so they can, so they can vote. And that's, that's a first also in, in NCAA history. And I, I got to tell you, Jesse, and this certainly dates me, but as you were describing so, so well, the, the the shift in attitude towards social media, and uh, and I, I I remember that 2012 Kansas team with Tyshawn Taylor and that incident with social media. I can remember having to get a quote from you know Bill Self about you know did you did you hear what Tyshawn did? And it was just you know now we would it's it's handled so differently today, and it takes me back to a time. A couple of decades earlier, when and, and permit me this this bad analogy, but <laughs> but players didn't have tattoos in the early nineties. You just didn't. People didn't have it. It just wasn't a thing, right? And I was covering the Kansas basketball team then, and all of a sudden, a Kansas player showed up with a tattoo, and everybody wondered what in the world was Roy Williams going to do, or think, or say, or would he make him cover it up, or? And this was in like the again ninety four ninety three ninety four something like that, and of course that was just at the you know, we were just at the doorstep of of body art and expression self expression that way and soon everybody had it but it's sometimes it it just you know in a moment you 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 know you you, you learn to you know to to deal with it to to understand it and to know it's there's there's a there are better ways to handle situations like that and I, I know it's a bad analogy the tattoo of the 90s the social media of of today but it's all under the umbrella of self expression and uh, and and we are seeing uh, that that is uh, it, it is part of an evolution that that we're seeing in in um, in college sports. Um, you know, I was going to go down the road of you know sp- uh, sports figures using their popularity, their name brand in politics, um, and you know we there are plenty of examples especially from our part of the country of coaches or former athletes who have gotten into politics uh you live in Lawrence and Jim Ryan was a congressman for several terms um in in the in, in your district um uh in Oklahoma JC Watts and Steve Largent served in the House of Representatives i can remember covering a story in Nebraska Back, I don't know if 10, 15 years ago when Tom Osborne ran for governor after serving three terms as a congressman, but he um, he ended up losing um, in in the Republican primary, which was essentially the the election in Nebraska. And it was a stunning thing, Tom Osborne losing an election. How in the world can that happen? But um, uh, but it did. But there is one example. There is a uh, an example of a former college football coach who is running for the Senate, and that is Tommy Tuberville in the state of Alabama, the former Auburn coach, and he's coached at other places, but most famously at Auburn, is and at Texas Tech, right, um, running for uh, for the Senate seat that's uh, that's being occupied right now by Doug Jones. 
in in the state of Alabama. So, uh, but it, I, that's the only one that I can think of right now in nationally. But do, do do sports figures have an advantage because of name recognition? Is there um, uh, do is there a um, uh, and, I, and, I'm, and I'll, the other thing I, I was going to ask you is: Do you do you see anybody on the sports landscape who who might be interested or get involved in politics uh, at any point? I, I was wondering if this is your roundabout way of asking me, Blair, whether Bill Self wants to run for governor. Is that basically <laughs> what you're saying here, uh, or Senate, or, or, or Bill Snyder, or, or Bill Snyder? Yeah, true. I mean, age is not a thing anymore. So, um, yeah, Bill Snyder's still in his prime. If uh, if we're looking at all the other candidates out there, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the joke that's always been made, and um, it is interesting that. I think I've said it for a long time, but anybody can say it is that, yeah, Bill Self would win whatever campaign election he wants in Kansas for as long as he wants to, just because of the stature that he has, uh, you know, add Tommy Tuberville to the coaches that uh, begged for KU to hire him as their football coach when he didn't have a job. Uh, he is, uh, he is definitely one of those guys, uh, which includes current LSU coach at Orgeron. If you want to go on Google and, uh, and see that as well. Um, <laughs> it, it is funny, kind of the history of KU having guys beg for the job and then not hiring them and then going on to do <laughs> different sorts of things and, you know, potentially be better than a lot of the other hires that they uh, eventually made. But no, I, I think you're right, Blair. It, it just depends on one's focus and what they want to turn to um, after. Uh, even, you know, I, I've written some stories of Manuel Cleaver. I know that's not as pronounced as uh, a, a pro career as you will, but. Um, you know, he was a college athlete back in the day. He's a congressman in the state of Missouri, and he actually helped with a new bill for name image likeness uh, that, right. that is kind of in line right now to be one of the um, major bills that could reshape college athletics. And he did that. I, I needed a quick Google. Maybe you can help me, Blair. But it was um, somebody actually about my age, you know, a former Ohio State receiver who played in the NFL. Uh, he also was uh, part of the bipartisan support with that. So if you Google real fast, you can find it. Um, um, but anyway, yeah, so so there is some intersection between sports. It can help out with popularity. Um, with the guy I just mentioned, once you find his name, uh, we can definitely talk about him and potentially, hey, this guy was in the NFL five years ago. It could help his popularity uh, potentially. But, yeah, there is some crossover. I just think, you know, from being on this side of things in the last couple of months, you really, really, really have to be motivated. You really have to want to do this and, and have a, a calling for it and a yearning for it. And I think a lot of coaches – they have a calling and a yearning, yearning to help out kids and do X's and O's and write up plays and and just you know it's something you can't live without and 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 you really have to have that politically, especially in today's landscape, just because there are going to be all sorts of slings and arrows thrown at you on a daily basis, and you really have to be committed to what you do. If you're not, then uh, it's better off to just retire and be like Bill Snyder and enjoy um, the rest of your days in, in Manhattan, Kansas, with a a very simple life of, of watching your grandkids. There you go. Anthony Gonzalez was the name that we were looking for. Thank you. Yeah. You know, former the, the, former wide receiver too. Yes. Yep. That's right. That's right. Okay. Hey, Jesse, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we will actually shift to a little sports talk. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. 
your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, I'm back with Jesse Newell, who covers politics for the Kansas City Star and some sports, too. And uh, he's been doing a lot of politics, and he'll start doing some sports here pretty soon. Uh, back to sports for Jesse. And uh, first thing I wanted to ask you, Jesse, uh, what did you make of Jeff Long's support of football coach Les Miles on, on, on Miles' radio show last week? And it was quite a quite an impassioned plea that that lasted about eight eight and a half minutes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I think a lot of things. If you go back to the article I wrote for the preseason predictions for KU football this year, there were sort of two realities taking place at the same time with KU football, which was KU was not going to be as good as it was a year ago, but yet Les Miles won three games last year. And fans are thinking just steady improvement. So, like, if you look at it as a graph, you know, a lot of KU football fans are not, and I don't mean this critically, they, they shouldn't be super into the team, but they're not super into the team because the football team for the last 10 years has not given them a reason to be passionate, hardcore, like, I'm going to look at the roster and see what happened. KU lost a lot from last year's team. And so when you lose a lot, what have previous coaches at KU done? They've gone the Juco route. They've gotten a gotten left tackle. They've gotten gotten a right tackle. They've gotten gotten a, a quarterback or whatever the case may be. KU had a lot of those same holes. And Les Miles went out and got all high school players. Because um, I always compare this to, it's like, it's like you have a big restaurant bill and you duck the tab and you give it to your coworker. And, and your coworker is supposed to clean things up, but he can't do it. And so he ducks the tab and he gives it to his next coworker. And you just keep passing the line. Les Miles finally looked at that $50,000 restaurant tab and said, I'm going to pay for this. You know what? This, this tab needs to be in the past. So by getting all those high school players, he was going to take some short-term pain to try to help the long-term growth. And honestly, COVID really could have helped Kansas without having this happen because we didn't know that this rule was going to come in um, throughout college football that, hey, you didn't have to use a year of eligibility. This really would help KU's numbers game. But without COVID... KU really needed to help its own numbers game by getting a lot of young people in the program, redshirting them, and getting them so that they have the numbers moving on up. So this from Jeff Long does not surprise me because sort of like if you look back at Shane Zenger when he gave David Beatty an extension and he kept backing David Beatty, well, of course he's going to do that. That's his guy. He, he gave the guy an extension. If David Beatty doesn't work out, it's going to be very difficult for it to work out for AD Shane Zenger at Kansas, and we saw that play out at KU. So for Jeff Long, I think there are merits to what, what Les Miles is doing here. There are merits to having a long-term vision for the program and putting a coach in place that is not on the hot seat when you try to do the right thing for the long-term build of the program. Having said all that, I still think you know, with that happening, a lot more people expected more competitive games. I'm sure I, you know, I did, I picked them to win two games, which now looks completely crazy, but uh, nobody knew at the time Coastal Carolina was this juggernaut team. that was going to be the top 20. You know, you thought that game could be a winnable one for Kansas. You thought maybe KU could pick off one team in the big 12 conference that obviously hasn't happened yet. They haven't really come that close, but 
Both things can be true at the same time. You can be sort of improving, getting better, being competitive at some point and still rebuilding for the future. Right now, KU is definitely rebuilding for the future, but I don't think they've been as competitive as they wanted. And so I think it makes sense if Jeff Long is trying to preach some patience. And if correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, that two-win prediction was based on their original schedule, not on the, on, on the, uh, the new schedule. Or did you adjust your uh, prediction based on the new football schedule? Oh, I wish it was, Blair. Thank you for giving me an out. Um, we, we can make people believe, believe that if we want to. That would not. I mean, they were going to beat New Hampshire, right? I mean, they. Well, yes. Well, see, and that's the other problem is you take two winnable games away. I mean, KU's non-conference schedule this year was set up really, really well. Um, they had New Hampshire at home. Uh, not a, I mean, decent but not amazing FCS opponent. Going to be home against Boston College, who they beat last year. And then at Coastal Carolina, which, again, we didn't know Coastal Carolina at the time. But if you're going to play a road game, you're going to play a team that has never hosted a Power 5 team at its home stadium. I mean, there might be some nerves there. And, again, Coastal Carolina is not exactly – I mean, I guess they're top 20. But if you looked at them on schedule in the preseason, you're not going to say that's Auburn. You know what I'm saying? So um, it did look promising. But, no, that was my prediction afterwards. And uh, it was funny. After that two-win prediction, I still had somebody – come back at me on Twitter and say, oh, Jesse's predictions where my dreams go to die every single year. So um, so there was even a point there by calling KU 2-8 and eight where a lot of fans thought, hey, Jesse's pouring a lot of cold water on the season. Um, usually I am the pessimistic one, but this year it looks like uh, potentially I was not pessimistic enough. KU fans would kill for 2-8. and eight. <laughs> Sell out everything for 2-8. and eight. Okay, let's switch sports. You uh, are a AP Top 25 basketball poll voter and uh, you are putting together your your preseason ballot as we speak um how's that task going well um this is kind of where we get back to the numbers blair um it's yep. analytics it, let's it, go the analytics and i am the analytics poll voter it's it, it is i, I told you uh, off air before i started this does make me feel about as real as i felt in a few months here because i'm, I'm looking through this and looking through my poll rankings and figuring out which fan bases are going to yell at me when this poll first comes out. So, uh, yeah, if, if, if I feel alive again, Blair. I feel like the whole world is back <laughs> to normal. Um, but so, like, like, for example, and again, this is subject to change. This poll is due later, and I'm not sure I'm supposed to, you know, tip my picks. But, and, you know, everyone don't go running to the AP, um, the heads of AP, telling them that I told you this. But, you know, last year there was the big debate, Kansas or Baylor, Kansas or Baylor, Kansas or Baylor. I had Kansas number one for a long period of time when nobody else did. And obviously Kansas beat Baylor in that game down in, in Waco. It looks to me like right now, the way I'm leaning, there's a pretty clear number one, and it's going to be Baylor. So uh, just proof, uh, proof, proof once again that um, even though it sure appears like uh, my bias is coming through and I am just uh, you know absolutely a, a homer against Baylor athletics, that um, when the numbers swing your way, I'm going to be on your side. And it sure looks like the Baylor Bears are going to be number one. I will give you this too, Blair. I'm not going to be a Kansas homer this year, probably labeled by the Twitter media. I'm going to be a Big 12 homer because the analytics love the top five in the Big 12. They love Kansas, West Virginia, Texas, Texas Tech, and then obviously Baylor. So um, it's going to be kind of crazy if those two team, if those teams do get to play each other and kind of cannibalize each other in the Big 12 conference. But I'm telling you, um, this is the best chance the Big 12 has had to have multiple my final four teams in uh, a long long period of time yeah i just hope that there is a, um, uh, a a basketball season that comes off somewhat normally and can we, we already know it's going to look strange uh, at least for a while when we're talking about 1500 people in allen Fieldhouse and and um uh, who knows what's going to happen we, we already know that they're playing a little bit of an abbreviated schedule and 
I'm not sure Kansas hasn't released its schedule yet. I don't believe not all of it, right? There's still some some mm-hmm. spots to to fill. Most of it, there's one available spot. They're not sure if they're going to fill it right now, but they actually have uh, most of it filled in. But yeah, it would just be a shame because, you know, when we talk about how good a league is compared to perception, a lot of times the perception part of this is people want teams that are at the very top. And, you know, I've kind of tried to argue in recent years, like, hey, the Big 12, there's no bad teams. You know, everybody's in the top 50 or in the top 40 in a 10-team conference. That's really, really good. But this year would be the opposite. This year there would be the haves and the have-nots, and you would have five Big 12 teams that were really, really, really good. So that would kind of be a fun dynamic as well. As you said, let's hope that everything kind of gets under control here and that they play these games as normal, because if so, this is going to be a really fun conference league. Okay, Jesse, I think the next time that we talk to you, it will be back in your role as the as a KU beat writer, and you will have put politics in the rearview mirror, at least uh, until maybe the, the, the midterms in 2022. So hope you've enjoyed your foray into the politics uh, world. And listen, people, go vote if you haven't done it. Get that done. You still got a little time left. Go vote. Jesse, great talking to you. We'll do it again soon. Sounds good. I will trade CNN for ESPN then. Beauty. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Randy Mason, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell for stopping by and talking politics and KU sports. You can read Jesse's stuff on KansasCity.com or we got some links to his stories in the show notes. Hey, we've got another deal for you especially for those who want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email at bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. Whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Wednesday with another episode.